this is now my season. And I thank you for that. And I just, I want to pray before we get started. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this precious day, Lord, a day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad in, Father. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me, Lord. I thank you, Father, for Pastor Mark's heart, Father God, that is so faithful to you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you put it in his heart to give me this opportunity, Lord, and now I just ask, Father, as I humble myself before you, that you would put your words in my mouth, Father, and let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight, Father. I pray, Father, that your anointing would be released in this place, Father. I pray, Father, the same way you came and visited me when I was in prison, Lord, that you would encounter some people in this place, Lord. Change their life. As the song says, let your presence change everyone in this place, Father, as it does all those who call upon your name. Now, Lord, I just, we give this time to you, Lord, just asking that you would lead us and guide us into all truth, Lord, and that you would just use me as a vessel to strengthen your people. Father, we enter into your courts with thanksgiving this evening, Father, praying that your will shall be done. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Let me start off by telling y'all, that before I knew Jesus, you wouldn't see me up here. You'd see me out there in the streets. I come from a broken home. I come from an ungodly family. I had family that loved me, but I had a family that didn't know God. And I didn't know God either. Sometimes some things are hard to accept, but the truth will set you free. I came from an ungodly home. My mom's right there. She knows. I began thinking the other day, you know, sometimes I'm challenged because a lot of my family's still lost and I'm saved. And it hurts me to see them where they are, knowing what I know now. But I was thinking about my mom the other day. And how, and describing her to somebody how, you know, my mom growing up until the devastation in our life was an awesome mom. She was at all my sports games. She fed me every night. She clothed me. She spent time with me. She was an awesome mom. But something happened. The Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy The devil creeped into my home and destroyed my family. My dad had an affair on my mom. And that destroyed our family, literally. Up until that point, my mom was a great mother. My dad was always, I love him, but I mean, it is what it is, you know. And I, and I pray for my dad's salvation right now. Y'all can too. You know, but, but my mom was an awesome mom. And when she found out that my dad had an affair with another lady, it broke her. She became somebody that she wasn't. She went to prison twice after that. 
from that moment forward, I began hanging around the wrong people, doing the wrong things, having unfaithful relationships, living the life of a whore. Got involved with drugs. I used to drink, but then I just started smoking a little weed. And once I started smoking weed, then I got hit on how to sell weed. Then I got introduced to pills. Then I got introduced to cocaine. Then I got introduced to crystal meth. And once I got a hold of that stuff, that stuff destroyed me. The moment that stuff t hit me, went into my body, my system, from that moment forward until I knew Jesus, I was high all the time. And if I wasn't high, I was in prison. That's a true statement. I've done drugs any way you think you can do them. Smoked them, shot them, snored them, ate them. That's just the truth. I'm not proud of that, but I'm telling you, when I stand up here and tell you my testimony and who I am, and the person y'all see me as today, it's glory be to God. Because God changed me. He gave me a new heart. But before that, I was lost. The Bible says those who don't know the Lord, they're lost. And so, anyway, once I got involved with drugs, you know, I was a user, but what brought me all my trouble was my selling. I used to sell drugs. You know, I'm, I'm talking about, that was my, my, that consumed my life. I sold drugs from, in the surrounding five counties. I've been to jail in the surrounding five counties. I've been to prisons, juveniles, boot camps, all over the state of Texas. Some know me for good, some know me for bad. But I've been in a lot of trouble. I got a record as long as some of y'all are tall, probably myself included. <laughs> so I have a past, and, you know, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm ashamed of what the, some of the things I did, but I'm not ashamed to tell you of what God saved me from. That's, I'm not ashamed. I tell people that everywhere. I've been in, a, been in Bible study since I got out, cops being there, and I'm sitting there. They don't know who I am. And so they'll, they'll start talking. I'm at this one Bible study. They start talking. And, uh, they're, you know, they're talking about inmates and this and that and that and this, and I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm digging it up. I've been on the inside. Now I'm on the outside. So I'm listening. And I start, you know, listening, and they'll be talking about inmates and offenders and this and that. And then the opportunity will come, and I'll be like, yeah, I'm on parole until I'm 2020. And uh, it freaks some of them out. But, uh, hey, they listen, you know. And, and it's awesome because there was a time in my life I hated cops. Literally, ask my mom. I'll fight them. I'll cuss them out. I'll run from them. But now I study the word of God with them. Yes, now I study the word of God with them. <clears throat> so I don't want to take up a lot of time on talking about my past, but I wanted to share that a little bit with you so that you know. 
than some of y'all kids. I was messing up when I was y'all's age, so I want to praise y'all for being here tonight, Amen. you know? And uh, I want to share with you that there is a better way. You know, I've tried a lot of different ways, and this is the only way i found to work. Amen. And not only the only way to work, it's the only truth. So it doesn't matter if it works for me or not. It does not despite or, or, or set aside what the truth is. But uh, so in September 2010, well, in August 2010, I got arrested, convicted, and uh, sentenced to 10 years. And man, those double digits, you know, and by the way, when I got sentenced to 10 years, that was not my first time to prison. That was my third time to prison. I have three TDC numbers. Been to state jail once, TDC twice. So this is my third time being in prison. My eighth conviction of felony convictions. I got misdemeanors. I don't even know how many misdemeanors I got. I quit counting. But so I got sentenced to 10 years. And those double digits just broke me. You know, because I knew I was in prison, I'm in jail, and I ain't getting out. You know, mama can't get you when you get in jail. Daddy, grandma, grandpa, can't nobody get you. You in there. You went in there by yourself, you coming out by yourself. So you better get you right. So I went in there, got that 10 years, and I was lost as a goose. I was broken. And God knew that. And let me tell you something. God allowed everything to happen in my life to bring me to that place of brokenness. The Bible says a broken spirit and a contrite heart God will not despise. I was broken. So I went to prison. I was at the Holiday Unit in Huntsville, Texas. And uh, it was in September 2010. I wished I knew the exact date. At that time, I didn't know it, how important the day of my salvation really was. But... Uh, it was, I know it was September 2010 because I got to Holiday Unit September 7th, 2010. And uh, so my conversion was probably about two weeks after that. So it was toward the end of September 2010. And uh, let me show you how divine this is. Just like you giving me this opportunity was so divine, I've had some divine encounters with God that leave you with, no doubt that it is what it is. You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> I'm in prison. And my mom, I hadn't heard from her the whole time I'm locked up. And uh, at this time, it was probably like 40 days that I had been incarcerated. And uh, my mom wrote me a letter. And it had pictures of my son in it. And uh, I started looking through the pictures. And man, I started looking at those pictures. And it just hit me. You know, the root of, when you have an addiction, you know your addiction isn't the problem. Your addiction is just what you use to cope with the problem. That's what I was doing. For years of my life, because my family was destroyed, I had this hate in my heart toward my dad. I did. I hated him. Couldn't stand him. And even when I would try to do the right thing and be around him and respect him, 
It wouldn't take, all it would take was me getting high or getting drunk or him getting drunk, and our attitudes don't mix. My bad attitude and his bad attitude, they don't mix. We're going to fight. We're going to cuss. That's just what it is. Then. But, uh, so I had this hate and this anger in my heart. But I didn't even know that that was the root of my problem. I thought drugs was my problem. That's why I'm in prison, drugs. Of course, that is the problem, but that's not the root. And so when I started looking at those pictures of my son, it hit me that I had become what my dad was, yet worse. At least my dad was able to put a roof over my head. I couldn't even do that for my own son. Wow. Wake up. That's a hard pill to swallow when you have to look in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm a loser. I'm a horrible father. I shouldn't even be defined as a father. That's what began sinking into me when I looked at those pictures. And it was at that moment, this is how divine it is, it was at that moment a guy came up to me, bald head white dude. In, in prison they call him a skinhead. This dude was an ex-gang member from the Aryan uh, circle. He got lightning bolts on him. I mean, this dude looks like Everything but a Christian. I'm sitting on top of my bunk. E236 top. Echo dorm. Two, echo building. Two dorm. 36 bunk. Top bunk. I know exactly where I was. And I'm sitting on my bed. And I'm broken. And this dude, his name's Jody Sparkman from Lufkin, Texas. He's on a 30-year sentence. Or he went back to prison for revoking his 30-year sentence. And uh, this dude was sent from God. I'm sitting on my bed. I'm broken, man. And he just walks up to me. He said, you all right, little brother? And just the words, just the words coming out of his mouth, are you all right? The Bible says God anoints the lips of those who represent him. Just the words that came from his lips, they were anointed. And they immediately pierced my heart to the point to where the moment he said, are you all right, I just started crying. I couldn't even talk no more. I just started crying. Literally, I'm about, when I say crying, I'm about to fill up a five-gallon bucket started crying. And at the time, I didn't know or understand why, but now I know. And it's because it was the first time in my life that the presence of the living God touched my heart. It was at that moment that God's love was poured immeasurably, abundantly in my heart because it pierced me and it just broke me. I couldn't even say nothing. There's uh, stories in the Bible that when the presence of God comes, men can't even speak. That's the same thing happened to me. I couldn't even speak for the moment. And uh, I forgot that water. And uh, he, uh, he began to witness to me. And at the time, like I said, I'm crying. And I'm not really knowing what's going on. I don't know nothing about the Lord. 
You know, I grew up in a, not grow up, I went to a Catholic church the Little small periods of time that I ever went to church was in a Catholic church, you know. Never went on a consistent basis or anything like that, but the times that I did go, it went to a Catholic church. So I didn't know, and all I remember from that is, Lord, hear our prayer. And then I remember being taught to cross yourself when you pass the church. That's all I ever knew. And so when this guy begins to minister the gospel to me, I'm not understanding anything he's really saying, but I do know this that whatever it is he's talking about or sharing with me, it's real, and I've never experienced it ever in my life. My message is going to be about spiritual intimacy. And it's because at that moment, it was the first time that I had ever become intimate with God. Intimacy just means relational, to experience one. That's what that means. And that was the first time that God had come to me and I had been receptive or even been willing to be receptive in an intimate type way. And so this guy ministered to me, and uh, he said, uh, by the time that he got to the end of whatever he was telling me, he said, uh, he said, do you want me to pray for you, little brother, to accept the Lord in your heart? And it was like everything within me, my purpose, my destiny, my life, everything that I was created and designed for, it just screamed on the inside of me, yes, please, whatever you got, I want it. That's what my, was screaming on the inside of me. And so when he said, you want me to pray for you, I said, yes, please. This dude prayed for me. And I accepted the Lord in my heart. Yes, yes, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, when, when I, the moment that happened, when I finally was able to stop crying, it was like a burden had been released from me. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. For the first time in my life, I was free. I was free. I listened to a song the other day. He said, you don't know what freedom is unless you know what prison is. I was physically in prison. But it don't take you going to prison in order for you to find out that you're spiritually locked up. That's what it took for me, but it don't take that for everybody. And so I was free, man. Dude, from that moment forward, I wanted to know about this God. I still had a lot of bad habits that God had to free and deliver me from. But from that moment forward, I wanted to know about this God. I never missed church. I never missed a Bible study, any of that. I didn't know the importance and the value of the Word of God in my life at first. But I immediately began to read my Bible, began to seek God, began to want to know more about this God that loves me. And so that was my conversion in prison, you know. Once I began to find out the importance of the word in my life, 
Anybody in here been to prison besides, I, I ran into one guy in here been to prison. You been to prison too? You know, in prison, man, <clears throat> in dorms, they got tables. And mostly all the tables are set up for negative things. Gambling, drawing, drawing's not really negative, but for some people it is. Drawing, you know, uh, uh, people doing illegal type things, you know. But let me tell you something about the dorms that, the dorms that I went in when I began, when God called me into the ministry. Every dorm that I went in from that moment forward, when I began to seek God and understand the importance of this word, God gave me my own table. And that table was sanctified. Wherever I was at, at San Saba, Price Daniels on the other side of Abilene, Beaumont, uh, Huntsville, I, every dorm that I went into, God would give me a table, and that table was dedicated to God and ministry. God would send people my way. I would minister to them. I'd share the word of God with them. And that's, that was, prison was my training ground. That's where I learned about the Lord. That's where God, you know, when I get up here and speak to you about things or hear from things from other pastors, and I say this humbly, but the things that I hear, majority of them, I already know. Because the same God that taught you is the same God that taught me. The same God that taught me is the same God that's going to teach you. So when I get up here and speak, I'm not confused about what I'm preaching or what I'm telling you. I know that I know that I know my God. I do. You know, I don't need anyone to teach me about certain things because I know. Now, do I learn from people? Yes. But what I'm saying is that God will bring you to a place in your life. that you'll be skilled in the word of righteousness. You should be teaching others. Let us move on to maturity. You should be teaching others about Jesus. So when I preach to y'all, I'm preaching to y'all something that I know. You don't have to believe me. That's why God gave us free will. But seeking for yourself. And that's going to take me to where I want to get started tonight. Matthew chapter 7. Amen. I got mine too. I got mine too. Hey, who knows that uh, that even if you were to forget your Bible, you better not forget God's Word. Because the Bible says that our hearts are tablets by which God has written on. So although this Word may not physically be in front of my face, I can stand up here and preach this word to you because it's in my heart. God has written his word on my heart. And so I just want to say that. Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> chapter 7, verse 7. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. 
Man, you know if you ain't in Christ, you can believe almost anything and think that it's true. You can be led astray by some of the most foolish things. There's so many smart people in this world that try to, you know, degrade the word of God and the truth of God's word. There's so many things that we as humans can't really understand and fathom. I can't understand how there was nothing and then all of a sudden God spoke and that there was everything. I can't understand that. But it does not change the truth. Your mind can't really, you can't even visualize that in your mind that when God spoke, the heavens and the earth came into existence. And then he just begins to speak and things become to be. Life comes. Who knows that when you're, before you're in Christ, you're dead. You're dead to God. You're on a timer. The moment you're born, you're destined to die. This passage right here leaves you with no doubt about God. I don't care what type of theory people try to come up with that try to deny, you know, a creator or try to deny, you know, our crucified, resurrected Savior. This passage right here tells you I don't care what nobody else, I don't care what evolution says. I don't care what a um, uh, Muslim says. I don't care what the old Jewish tradition says. I don't, care what any, I don't care what anything says. This word right here tells me that if I ask, I receive. That if I seek, I will find. And then if I knock, the door will be open. That scripture leaves you with no doubt. So that if the pastor or the preacher gets up here and starts preaching something that you don't understand about a man walking on water or turning water into wine, like, okay, when I started reading my Bible, I'm like, okay, I can believe a lot of things, but I can't believe all that stuff. I mean, I'm just being, I started, I'm coming from smoking dope to reading about a man walking on water that loves me. I'm kind of, okay, God, I'm, I'm questioning this. And maybe some of you are too, and that's okay. Because God, the Bible says, if you seek, you shall find. <clears throat> and so I, be, I continued to seek God, and I found him. And let me tell you something. Once you find him, you'll know. You'll know. There's no more questions. There's no more doubt. It says, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. <clears throat> when I spoke or mentioned earlier that I want to speak to you about spiritual intimacy, this is a word, man, that when God ministered it to me, I was like, Lord, you sure you want me to talk about this? He said, yeah. Ask, you shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock, the door shall be open. I pray that God would open up heaven for us right now. Because I'm fixing to share something with you that 
It's just life. And it's the truth. Who knows that, that God is re- in a relational, intimate God. And that God is in, in, in when, when I say intimate, I'm talking about an, an intimacy that, that, that is reflected in the natural or in the physical. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, right? He said he created male and he created female. <clears throat> God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. So it wasn't until Adam and Eve knew each other that they could be fruitful. There's two words that I want to help y'all understand tonight to help y'all understand this message. Because wording in the Bible, it plays a big part. The Bible says that Adam knew Eve. Who in here knows what that means? Raise your hand. So in other words, there's a lot of you that don't know. Bible says that Adam knew Eve. The book of Ruth says that Boaz went into Ruth. Now, that's the relation between a husband and a wife. We know that it's talking about sexual intercourse. But we also know, according to to the word, that it's more than just that. Marriage should be kept pure and the bed undefiled, right? So it's more than just having sex and having babies, right? So Adam knew Eve. So I looked up the word knew to help y'all understand what that means, and what God was really saying when he said, Adam knew Eve. It says, okay, certain to experience. So if Adam knew Eve, it was, what he's really saying, it was, it was certain that Adam would be able to experience her in one's presence. When a husband goes into his wife, it's without a doubt he's in her presence. That is in position, I like this one, in operation or power. An influence and used to indicate a position within something. So if I was to take those definitions and then put them into the verses, the scriptures that we read, then the Bible would read, Adam was put in a position to experience his wife. Adam was put into a position to know his wife 
intimately. Adam was put into a position to be relational with his wife. Boaz was put into a position to know his wife in a way that he couldn't know her any other way. You with me? So now we go to the New Testament. The book of John, chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus is praying. And he says, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see the wording there? As Adam knew Eve, now Jesus says, God's eternal purpose for you is to know Him. And to experience Him in a way that you can't experience Him any other way. If God created all things to glorify Himself and for us to be in an intimate relationship with Him and created things, you know, life and all the things in it, including sexual relations between a husband and a wife, it means something. It means something. Why? Read your Bible. It says stay away from sexual immorality. Stay away from adulterous people. Stay away from sexual sins. Why? Because sexual relations is holy. It's sacred. It represents something. A husband going into his wife is a representation of God coming into you. It is. A husband physically goes into his wife. God spiritually goes into you. It's the same wording. I looked it up in the, the Hebrew and the Greek concordance. It's the same wording. And all it means is intimacy. God is a relational God. That's what it means. Somebody please get that. It's awesome, man. You know how many years of my life I spent being unfaithful in relationships and living the life of a whore, not knowing these things? A lot of years. And so when I got saved and began to understand that God was intimate and relational, it changed things for me. That was another addiction of my mind, of mine, you know? Drugs and sexual immorality. I didn't know that it had a purpose, that it had, that it meant, that it stood for something. I didn't know that. And let me tell you something. Me and my fiance have chosen, me and Colleen have chosen from the day that we got into our relationship to honor God to the fullest. Like, there was no other option. Like, there was no plan B. There was no exit strategy. There was no like, okay, if we're not able to do this, then we'll just do it this way. No. The decision was, we're going to honor God. No matter how hard it might be, 
no matter how challenging it might be. And let me tell you something, it ain't easy. But we made a choice from the beginning that we would save ourselves for marriage. And we've stayed faithful to that by the power of God. And so when I'm talking to you about something like this, and this is one of them topics you don't hear everywhere. You don't hear this stuff everywhere, but let me tell you something. I speak the truth to you in love. And anything I tell you, I'm telling you, I know. We ain't never been in a relationship, her nor me, that it was even an option not to have sexual relations. So we've been challenged, but God has been faithful. You know what I mean? It's allowed us to tap into the power of God that we couldn't have done it any other way. The Bible talks about that there's men who, the Apostle Paul, he persecuted the church, meaning he was against the church. He attacked the church. This man was doing everything but love God. I was doing the same. All y'all were too before y'all knew the Lord. You were doing everything but love God. But Jesus says, I came to call sinners to repentance. Paul says, I am chief of sinners. Let me tell you something. So was I. I lived a life of sin. Before I came up here, I told Colleen to feel my heart. My heart was beating. I was nervous. I was excited. I'm ready. I'm on fire. The same way my heart was beating before I came up here, the same way my heart used to beat when I got high. The Bible says that the word of God converts and refreshes the soul. So the things that I used to rejoice in, I don't rejoice in those things no more. Now I rejoice in the word of God because it's treasure to me. I know its value. I know its importance. And I know that God is an intimate and relational God. And I hope and pray that you would too. Because when you can begin to see God like that, is it crazy that you would hear a message like this? The Bible says that God is the groom. We are the bride. You think God don't want to be intimate with his bride? You think God don't want you to know him intimately? passionately. Paul says in the word, he says, I've written this mystery to you. What's the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ruth went into Boaz. I mean, Boaz went into Ruth. Same wording. Somebody get the connection. Please. Because that's what it's about. The Bible says flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. When you become intimate with God, your spirit becomes born again. You become alive to God. You become awakened in the spirit. There's a realm that you can tap into in this world that is supernatural. When you become intimate with God, you can tap into that realm. You can know Him in His love. 
You can know that He's forgiving. You can know that He's gracious. You can know that He's merciful. You can know that He makes all things new. You should know He calls those things that don't exist as though they do. You should know that He don't make no mistakes. He's a God of purpose. Hear me what I'm telling you. Read your Bible. It tells you the same thing. All I'm preaching to you is what the Word says. It's the truth. I'm not trying to tell you to look at God in a perverted way. I'm trying to tell you to know that all things God created were meant to glorify Him. And I just use the relation between a husband and a wife to help you understand that. That's it. I want you to know that God will come into your heart. I told Pastor Pastor Mark the other day, I said, this is another thing that will help you understand. Circumcision. The Bible talks about in the time of, of the Jews, God's covenant to Abraham was to circumcise him. Abraham was supposed to circumcise from that time that God made that covenant he was supposed to circumcise kids at the eight days old. What is circumcision? At that time, it was an outward act that, uh, or a symbol that God used outwardly as a reminder of his covenant to his people. So in other words, when you become circumcised then, your circumcision, it was a sign to know that you were God's people. Now we're in the New Testament, and God says, we ain't been circumcised with hands. We've been circumcised by the Spirit of the living God. God circumcised your heart. The circumcision then was the cutting away of the flesh. When God circumcises your heart, He's cutting away that old man. For that old man being crucified with Christ. Now the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Praise God. That's that's serious stuff. I don't need to see it. The Bible tells me I don't walk by by sight. I walk by faith. Faith tells me that God has touched my heart. God has changed me. He has circumcised me, made me a new person. And the, the, the outward circumcision has now been shown to me spiritually so that as the, the sign was back then outwardly, Now the size that I've been circumcised in my heart is the sign of my transformed and renewed mind. So when you start seeing me, seeing someone coming from a life of sin and loving everything that sin brings to coming to a life that they love God, you can know God has touched and circumcised their heart. That's what that means. God has cut away the old man. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The Lord's Supper, baptism, these are all outward expressions of what has spiritually gone on in your heart. The Bible says that when you were baptized, you were baptized into Christ's death. And that when you were raised, you were raised by faith through the working of God. Man, that's good stuff, man. My heart is beating so bad. I'm hot. I'm sweating. Hey, and it's awesome. How much more time we got? All right. But I just wanted to 
share that message with y'all. And when he told me share my testimony, that relates to my testimony. Because when you are converted and you accept Christ and you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you've been given the opportunity to be intimate and relational with God. And it's just what I said it. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. It's a privilege. It's an honor for God to come into your heart and change you. I'm a living testimony. And I know that there's people in this crowd who understand and can relate to what I'm telling you. Ask, you shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be open. If you have questions about what I might have said or shared with you tonight, read your Bible. God will reveal himself to you. He will show himself to you. He will be intimate, personal with you, just as he was with me and all of those that call upon his name. Man, I want to thank Pastor Mark for giving me this opportunity. I want to thank all of those who come here to support me. I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. It's been, hey, it's been a privilege, man. Thank y'all so much.